Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We're hopping to the middle of the central, the middle of the mid. And we've got the Twins and the White Sox here today. Sevs likes that one. Um, we got the Twins and the White Sox today. And these are two teams that just like fell off the face of the earth last season. They fell into the, they are the reason it's called the AL mid uh, because they were really mid. And last year, we're going to kick it off with the Minnesota mid twins, the, the Minnesota twins. Uh, they went 78 and 84 best for third in the AL mid. Uh, they held the division for, I think like four months of the season and they just fell off the face of a cliff, but they did get Sunny Gray. So that's cool. I mean, Oh yeah. Um... How are you guys doing? Oh yeah, we're doing we're doing pretty good. It's good you're checking it out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, um, I I think these two teams are you know a, a good talking point. I mean, they were very disappointing last year, but at the same time, there's a lot that happened in the off season for both these teams, and there's a lot of speculation around both of these teams. There's there's not necessarily like what we're talking about like Yankees Blue Jays, but you know this is two teams that could you know surprise some people. Steps, how are we doing? I mean, I'm ex- I'm not gonna say extremely high, but I really like this twins team i think they are much improved from what they were last year um and they did go out and get their their guy back um after he signed with two other teams but we'll talk about him in a little bit um and and i'm not as high on the white Sox. i definitely think they need a culture shift and i think this is going to be more of a building season more than anything else um and kind of a bridge season to get them where they want to be next season see which you're talking the twins or the white Sox? white Sox was the second one yeah, I think when we get to them, it's just going to be like, it's a failed rebuild in my eyes. Um, but the Twins, like, it kind of seemed like they were entering a rebuild, and then they weren't, and then they were, and now they're trying to compete, and I'm just lost. Like, they've got, like, five two starters, and it's just, I don't know about this Twins team. I mean... I mean, I'd rather have five two starters than one ace and a bunch of fives, right? So that's just that's that's what I mean. That just might be me, Tom. Are you on I mean, my side? No, I'm on your side on this one. I think. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of upside in this in this, this rotation. I. Um, but I just there's so much that could go wrong with this team. There's a lot of injury history in this rotation, especially in this rotation. Um, do you want me to go over the let's let's go over their off season moves? So. I mean, they currently have three guys that are still free agents and could possibly come back to them. They got Chris Archer, Gary Sanchez, and Miguel Sano. Um, Michael Former, he goes to the Cubs, though, and they end up trading Joe Urshela to the Angels in exchange for Brent Hedrick. Um, so, I mean, as far as out goes, not everyone's gone yet. So, they, I mean, I don't really think they're going to go after and get Gary Sanchez. I mean, Chris Archer could be a decent piece, and Miguel Sano's kind of old at this point. So, I don't know. Um, but on the inside, they end up re-signing Carlos Correa to a six-year, $200 million deal, uh, room for 10 years on that contract, uh, after he, you know, with the, uh, what was it? It was his leg. It was his, was it, his a, it was a leg injury? Yeah. His shin. Um, he, after that shin injury that popped up with the Giants and then popped up again with the Mets, um, he ends up coming back to where I believe he actually did want to end up playing, um, overall. Uh, they acquire Kyle Farmer uh, from the Reds uh, for Casey Legumina. I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I butchered that. I apologize. The but Legumes. they also get uh, Christian Vasquez, top 10 catcher, on a three-year $30 million deal. Sign Joey Gallo to a one-year $11 million deal. Acquire Michael A. Taylor from the Royals for Stephen Cruz. I love Michael A. Taylor. 
Uh, he looks like Michael Jackson. Um, extend Chris Paddock That's to a three-year $12.525 million deal. Uh, and then they send out their AL batting title champion in exchange for Pablo Lopez, Jose Salas, and Byron Chirillo. Then they signed Tom's favorite player of all time, Donovan Solano, to a one-year $2 million deal. So a lot, a lot, a lot of improvement, in my opinion, for this Minnesota Twins team. Um, I mean, top to bottom, I think I think this was a this was a great offseason. Yeah. I mean, I think they addressed they they love pitching. They really love pitching. I mean, you gave up the batting <laughs> champ for some pitching. But now you got you got a pretty solid starting rotation. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll walk us through it right now. We got Pablo Lopez at the number one, Sunday Gray at number two, uh, Joe Ryan at the three spot, Tyler Maley at the four, and then Kenta Maeda at the five. We got Chris Paddock right now, but he will probably slot in somewhere in this rotation. These are all, like Brad mentioned, two guys. They they all have some upside, though. I mean, I, I I have a case for every one of these guys on why they could be, you know, blossoming into stars in the future. Yeah, and like the Paulo Lopez trade, like he was supposed to be the trade for a guy and prospects. Like somehow the Twins fleeced the Marlins. They got prospects and Pablo Lopez for a guy. And like, yes, losing Luis Arise hurts, but like, you just got a very good pitcher when he's healthy. Like Pablo Lopez is a two when he's healthy. So is Sonny Gray. And Joe Ryan actually is ceiling for an ace. Tyler Molle, he's good when he's healthy. He's a two. Catch him Miami. He's a two when he's healthy. Like if, you, if you're catching my drift. But like, I don't dislike the starting rotation in terms of its ceiling. Like in terms of its ceiling, it's a top five in baseball in all honesty. But it's just injuries. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Minnesota Twins are always kind of those teams, one of those teams I feel kind of like just like fade out and you just kind of like forget they exist. But like, I'm actually excited to watch the Minnesota Twins play because I, yeah, a bunch of two starters kind of is mid, right? But it's also going to be fun to watch these five guys, six guys, if when Paddock comes back, maybe slot one of them over to the bullpen or whatever they want to do there. But it's going to be fun to watch these guys. Like Paddock just got his extension. He he can hopefully turn into something in in Minnesota, like not like he could in San Diego. Um, and, and all these guys, top to bottom, I, I like I like I like them all, and I I want to watch them pitch. Um, Tom, do you have any other points for the rotation? I mean, I think Pablo Lopez also has the potential to become a star. I, I like a like a one guy. Um, despite not not pitching as many innings in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, he was he was very good percentiles wise in both those years. And going into 2022, he was great up until about halfway through the season. He had a very bad second half. So, I mean, this is the first time we actually saw this high volume on him too. But I, I think just just because he had a bad second half of the season does not make make him like any worse. I think I think he'll be more of a you know first half guy next year. Uh, Brad, go ahead. Brad, um, I can see them going to a six man. I think it'd be beneficial I, I would like for that. an injury prone rotation. Once Paddock's back, I think it could really help because, especially if Paddock's out for like the first. What's his injury? Um, is sure. it is it TJ? I think it's TJ again. So maybe he won't be back this season. Oh God, he's oh really? Um, yeah, I'm pulling it up it, real quick. It might be TJ. Research team going hey, up. Oh yep, yep. Um, it goes, it goes quick. Uh, Chris Paddock, injury. Tommy John surgery. He's out for the season, folks. Never mind. Okay, Chris Paddock is done for the season. He has Tommy John surgery. So it looks like they're going to be sticking with the five-man rotation. 
Uh, but they also have Simeon Woods Woods Richardson who can come up. They've got the there's one kid that's just been around forever in their system. Uh blanking on the name. Isn't it like Balkovich or something like that? Uh, Does that name ring a bell to anyone? Pitchers. Uh, I mean the top pitcher none of their hold on, let me look at We're looking order by ETA. Uh, Jordan Balkovich. Yeah, there he is. He's right here. Yeah, apparently he's actually he's not got that quite good the, He's got quite the mustache. Oh, damn. I'm rocking with it. I mean, they also got I mean, Bailey over season, in the pen. He did not look very good last season. No, no he did not. They also got Bailey over, though, who they could utilize. I mean, they got three. I mean, they got their eight, ten. There, so it, within their top ten, two of them are starting pitchers: uh, Simeon Woods Richardson and Louis Varland. Uh, both of them uh, are expected this season. Um, but let's get let's get into their bullpen. So they got Jorge Lopez, Joan Duran, Griffin Jacks, uh, Caleb Tealbar, Emilio Pagan, Jorge Alcala, Giovanni Moran, and Randy Dobnak. The Uber driver. What What do we feel about this bullpen? I mean, they, they definitely loaded up on the depth. I mean, I think John Duran is going to be, like, one of the best, if not the best, next year. Um, we saw that flash last year. You got out, went out and got Jorge Lopez last year. Um, not quite the pitcher they traded for, but, you know, he could turn into that guy. I could easily see Duran becoming that, you know, closer to one, though, uh, this season. And there's some more guys, Brad. You want to talk about the other guys in this bullpen? Oh, I was going to say, I really like Jorge Lopez. Like, even during the World Baseball Classic, he let up a couple runs, but the hardest hit ball was 75 miles an hour off the bat. Like, that's what he was in the Orioles. He wasn't an insane strikeout guy, but he was just the master of weak contact. And he's he's been doing it already this season. I think that's solid. Griffin Jacks has shown ceiling. Um, not too familiar with the bottom of of that bullpen, Jorge Alcala, Giovanni Moran. Randy Dobnak had a solid 2020 campaign, but he really hasn't been able to get anything past that. Uh, Emilio Pagan somehow hasn't gotten himself DFA'd yet. Um, like that, that's a weak point in that bullpen that I could see easily getting replaced by Bailey Ober. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a certainly a bullpen. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I think outside of injuries, I would say this is probably their weakest point. Would you agree? Um. I would say I would say yes, just because their lineup has a lot of upside, but um, they do have a very high injury chance. Uh, yeah, so true. I don't I don't know if that's necessarily their best and their worst. I would I would say that their depth, their offensive depth, is probably uh, the yeah, spot. I like that. I mean, coming Donovan Solano off your bench probably isn't the best. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about their lineup. Now we're talking about it. so Byron Buxton. He's gonna be their center fielder, assuming he's healthy. Uh, Carlos Correa is at shortstop, Jorge Polanco's at second, Max Kepler in right, Jose Miranda at third base, Joey Gallo in left, Christian Vasquez behind the dish, Alex Kirloff at first base, and you got Michael A. Taylor um, at DH slash outfield. Um, I don't like him as a DH because I would rather his glove be out there, but I know you have to take into account Byron Buxton is a better on but better at both sides of the ball. But Michael A. Taylor I, I it was it was an interesting trade to go get him, but I think it it'll work well for them because Byron Buxton is so injury prone. So um, the thing is with the two of them, right? Buxton's listed as the DH on Fangraphs, and I was like, no. Um, so that's why I put him as the primary center fielder. 
But there is a whole thing. Like, A, playing center field is the reason why he gets hurt so much. But if they wanted to keep him healthy, you basically have to be like no diving until you get to the postseason, which is going to hurt some of his defensive value. Uh, but he's still really quick. And you could put Michael A. Taylor there, but you lose Buxton in center field. But Michael A. Taylor is not really an effective DH. Um, yeah. So you have that whole issue there. Obviously, you could put Royce Lewis at DH for when he's healthy. Um, then the issue is with Buxton injured over the past since 2017, that's six seasons, I think. Um, the Twins have a negative outs above average in center field. This is including Buxton being healthy. So since 2017, the Minnesota Twins have a negative outs above average in center field. But they also have Byron Buxton, who's like a plus 70. Yeah. So you can do the math there. That just says more Not about good. his injuries. Yeah. That just says um, more about his time on the field. I mean, from could you slot him at a corner outfield spot? Would that Why? be outrageous? Um, I mean, it because it could be helpful to not have to cover much so much ground. In the, the thing center, is, right? if you do that, like you're not going to put Kepler or Gallo in center field, which basically means you have to have. No, Taylor you put field. you put Michael A. Taylor in in center and put like Gallo at DH. And what happens when Royce Lewis is back? I mean, you adjust you adjust then, but I'm saying Awkward. like as the roster looks right now. That's 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 just kind of an idea I'm throwing out there. As yeah, as the horrible. roster as that lineup is right now, for me, I would want Gallo at DH, slot Buxton into a corner outfield spot, and then Michael A. Taylor in center field. Thing is, Gallo's actually a fairly decent defender. Yeah, um, that's fair. He's got a very good arm too. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe Kepler. Uh, but Kepler, his defense hasn't been great. Or neither was his bat last year. Gallo had a bit of a down defensive season last year, but I think he just had everything down last year. Um, so I'm not going to criticize his defense based on his 2021. But Max Kepler, I'm just pulling it up just so I have the, excuse me, the number in front of me. I believe his defense is worse than Gallo. So if you wanted to go with that whole thing, you could slide. Oh, never mind. Max Kepler was just a 11 ounce above average last year. Yeah. So, yeah. No, no, no. I mean- I definitely don't think defense is the issue here. It's just a matter of where you're going to slot everybody, especially with Royce Lewis. Out, uh, another name that's also as Gilberto Celestino. Um, both of those guys are out with injuries. Gilberto. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Max Kepler is just so, so weird in the sense that, I mean, this is a 30-year-old guy that should be in his prime, and his percentiles say that he is, but his on-the-field stats are just not. I don't understand. Yeah. How can you bat 227 and be in the top, like, 85th percentile in everything? I don't understand. He's like, hey, this looks like what on the surface would be one of the best right fielders in the game, but he's not. So, I I mean, this could this be some positive regression, Brad? You think any anything for the next season? With an 89.6% shift ratio, he had a 191 WOBA. Without the shift, he had a 314. This is a positive regression without the shift. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this is a scary one through five. I mean, look at the one through five in this lineup. This is I I like this one through five. This is one of the better ones in the league, actually. I mean, it's solid. It, it is, and if Gallo can come out and be some semblance of what he was on the Rangers, then that adds a sixth. Christian Vasquez is a top ten catcher in baseball, um, so <laughs> he's gonna come out and he's gonna do his thing. And Michael A. Taylor is just clutch. He, he'll come up in a big scenario and kind of get you a hit. Uh, their bench, though, consists of Ryan Jeffers, Kyle Farmer, Donovan Solano, and Nick Gordon. 
one lefty off the bench. That's fine. I wouldn't say like the depth is horrible. I think Kyle Farmer and Donovan Solano both have like a decent hit tool. Like they're not very good in the field, but they're not that bad. And Brad, you hating on us? No, but... it's just Kyle Farmer. It's yeah, Kyle, I mean, Kyle, Kyle Farmer's Farmer, not that good. Kyle Farmer in in twenty twenty one was put put together a decent season, about about league average last year, a little bit below. Um, so hoping to see some progression there. Um, Donovan Solano has been a bench guy his whole career. I mean. On the on the Giants, he was you know a platoon bat, you know, because that's what we did. But he's got a good hit tool. I think he'll be he'll be a guy that can slot in pretty decently in this lineup. It's fine. It's oh. okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, as far as prospect central goes, really only had Royce Lewis to talk about. Um, I think we kind of talked about everything. You want you guys want to touch on him anymore? Or he played twelve games last year. He was good in those twelve games. Then he hurt his knee. Yeah, now he's not playing right now. Yeah, that's fair. Good recap. Thank you. Is he? When's he supposed to come back from that injury? Middle of the season, like a month or two. Okay. Um. All right. So you guys want to get into our projections? Sure. Okay, I'll kick it off. What? Um. Standings wise, record wise, I have them going eighty-two and eighty. Um, that is much better than they were last year, above 500. Um, MVP, Carlos Correa, uh, Cy Young, I have as Joe Ryan. Um, I think he has the most upside in that starting rotation. Uh, most important, I have Byron Buxton. He is sensational when he is on the field, but he's just not on the field. Uh, breakout, I have Royce Lewis. Um, I really, when he does come back from that injury, again, around midseason, I think he's going to play very, very well at whatever position they do slot him at. I think he's going to do a, an incredible job across the board. Um, I'm I'm a little higher on them, just a, just a little bit, and I'm not not saying that by much. Um, I have them going 84 and 78. I feel like that's a little bit higher to their their ceiling. Um, but this is a team that that can be pretty scrappy. Um, I have their team MVP being Carlos Correa. I feel like he's going to play the most games for them, other than you know the, the guys that are not as good. Um. Most important player has to be Byron Buxton. I mean, he's been like that pivotal guy in this lineup who does not play that often. Uh, if you can get a full season from Byron Buxton, I don't see how you don't win 84 games. And I don't think that's a hot take. Uh, Cy Young, I had Pablo Lopez. I feel like I feel like we will see that first half version. If that didn't make sense earlier, I meant that he had a really bad second half of the season. And I feel like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. He's just going to be good the whole season instead of just half a season. Um. As for their breakout, I had it's between two guys. It's between a re-breakout of Max Kepler or Jose Miranda. And I think Jose Miranda is probably more of a guy that's gonna break out next year. I think he's been having a, a decent spring training, a lot of power showing. Um, and I think he's a guy that could kind of, you know, ball out this season. Brad, where are you at? Uh I'm exactly at five hundred. I'm at eighty one and eighty one. Um, it's a it's a good baseball team, but it's just like I don't know. I'm not overwhelmed on any side of the ball. I think that there's a lot of injury risk with that starting rotation. Um, it's, it's good. It's just, it's not better than the Orioles. It's not better than those. I think we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording. Like when I write my records, I look at other teams and I'm like, all right, is this team better than that team? And you'll hear about it in a couple of episodes. I was like, is the twins better than the angels? And I was like, very slightly better. And I was like, all right. And does that put them above or below the Orioles or a team? It's just, you're, you're comparing them to other teams. 
And I think they're very similar to the Diamondbacks and a little bit worse than the Giants, which puts them at 81 and 81. Um, for their MVP, I went with Jorge Polanco. Uh, I don't know how healthy that Carlos Correa is going to be. I don't know how healthy Byron Buxton's going to be. So Jorge Polanco is kind of like the third best guy on that team. Um, so he got he gets the award for Brad. Uh, for their Cy Young and breakout, I put Joe Ryan. I think he develops a second pitch uh, besides his really good fastball. And that makes him super effective. And he he breaks out into like a low threes, high twos ERA, throws 180 innings, strikes out a lot of guys because he's got a really good deceptive fastball. It's just he needs a second piece there, and I hope he developed it. Uh, and the most important, since you guys said Bucks and I'll say Correa, um, they're both correct. Like they both need to be healthy for this team. It's just the Twins need Correa's injuries to not kick in right now. They need it to be a couple years down the line. That's fair. I think I think when it comes to volatility, I think a team that is that has a high injury risk also has a high volatility. Um, but this is also a team with not as high as a ceiling as other teams. So I think this puts them like a medium volatility. Does that make sense for you guys? Yeah, so, medium I mean, high. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, this is a team that could probably win like eighty six games. I mean, they could probably sneak in the playoffs, win the division, but they're also a team that could finish with like seventy five wins, seventy four wins. I agree with that. I, I think that feasibly speaking, all three of the top three teams in the central could win the central. Like I think yeah. the guardians are the favorite to win it by like by far, but the white Sox and twins both have a convincing argument where if the guardians falter a little bit and those two teams like succeed, they hit all their strides. They could win the division because I don't think it's going to take a 95 win season to win the AL central. No, not at all. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think, I, I think as far as the floor though, I think around like I would say seventy eight games. What they were last year, I would say would be their floor. I'd drop it a little bit below that because you could you could reasonably foresee this being the exact same team as team as last year. Yeah, I, I would say their offseason moves, you know, boost them a little bit. So I think their 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 floor is you know right about seventy five. I would say their 25th percentile is where they were last year. Yeah. But like their 75th percentile is kind of where Tom is around 84 wins, where their max yeah. is like 87, 88 wins. Yeah, that sounds about right. I guess by what they've constructed would be considered a success. Yeah, I think I think they're they're they strange, like I wouldn't say reverse rebuild like like teams like the Rangers, but I, I think this is a team that kind of like didn't want to commit to anything, but they they are making moves that aren't aren't as bad as other teams. I, I think this is kind of like a successful, unsuccessful rebuild. Cause I feel like they're going to threaten the AL Central. And I feel like that's that's their goal. And I they're going to succeed at that, I think. All right. So do you agree with like an 87 win ceiling? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um again, I I like this team. I guess I wasn't as high on it as Tom was, but um, I think they're going to go out and they're going to do – they're going to shock a lot of people, I think. All right. So with that, you've heard about the Minnesota Twins. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk about the Chicago White Sox. And we're back to chop it up about the Chicago White Sox. Uh, this team was the epitome of disappointing last year as they strived for mediocrity at 81 and 81, the same record as the San Francisco Giants. Uh, not much went well besides the Dylan C's breakout. Um, 
there really just a lot of things went went poorly for the Chicago White Sox last year. I refuse to catch strays. Um, <laughs> the Giants will make better strides than this team. Although they did have a, you know, a decent, uh, I can't say no. decent offseason, but they did not. This, this team is um disappointing. This is a failed rebuild. I think we've talked about this before. It's, it's just disappointment. That's one word to describe them. I mean, for me, I, I just, I, we got to get into the offseason. So their, their best, in my opinion, eh, second best move they made was letting Tony LaRusso retire and walk out. Um, he was kind of a cancer into the clubhouse, in my opinion, and kind of the opinion of most people that watched the White Sox last year. And I think the White Sox need a culture change, and I think they're going to do that this year. Um, but they lost Jose Abreu to the Astros, Johnny Cueto to the Marlins, Josh Harrison to the Phillies, AJ Pollitt to the Mariners, Vince Velasquez to the Pirates, and Adam uh, Engel to the Padres. How do you let Jose Abreu walk? I don't know. It's terrible. Like, I don't know. But... They they signed they re-signed Elvis Andrus. They get Mike Clevenger, um, and then and then they get Andrew Benintendi on a five-year, seventy-five million-dollar deal, which is what I would say is their best move of the off-season. Um, All of this is negated by the fact that they let. Yeah, it's a disappointing off-season because you let Jose Abreu walk. He's 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 your franchise cornerstone, and he's gone now. Um, I don't understand. I mean. Uh, you gotta, you gotta imagine that Jose Abreu wanted to play for the White Sox. He was a White Sox. He was a whole his whole career. I mean, that that's like he probably wanted to come back, but they just didn't want to. Go ahead. Would you want to play for the White Sox? If I had played my entire career there and I was a White Sox legend, yes. Brad, go ahead. AJ Pollock literally opted out of a contract and got less money just to not play in Chicago. Okay, the White well, Sox. Yeah, no, are... the White Sox. Last season, I'm not gonna say overall time or whatever. We're 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 not a fun team to be a part of. They just weren't. And it, st- it stemmed from Tony Larusa. He's gone now. So I think this season is, is like I think I mentioned earlier. It's gonna be a stepping stone season to what their culture and what their drive is going to be. I think. The big piece is going to be Tim Anderson. He's gonna have to step up and be the leader of of that clubhouse, and and do things to a certain degree to bring fun and bring life into that clubhouse. I think he he has the ability to. He is a very very polarizing player, um, and I I'm I'm excited to see what happens for this team. I'm not excited to watch this team play yet. Yeah, I'm not necessarily sold. I'm right where there with Steve. I don't know if this is enough to, um, you know, be like uh, five teams you want to watch this season. This is not a team you want to watch. This is the team you want to probably turn the TV off for. I, they're not that interesting. And I, I feel like we're not even talking about the the Johnny Cueto move. He was great last year. I mean, losing him was was a bigger piece too. Not a bigger piece than Jose Abreu, but he was a big piece that they lost. Brad, what do you think about that? He wasn't that good last year. He got really, really, really lucky, and it kind of it's showed so far this year. Even though it's only been spring training slash world baseball classic, Johnny Cueto is the greatest pitcher of all time. Um, How was he in the I, Giants? He, you know, he didn't do crazy good, but he was, you know, postseason guy. You know, very, very important to our run with S actually runs because we uh, won a lot of rings back in the day. He wasn't on your team back then. Um, um, way back when, you know. <laughs> anyways, so their starting rotation without Johnny Cueto is their ace Dylan Cease, who established himself 
last year as one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball, high strikeout rate and very high walk rate. That's concerning. Uh, Lance Lynn took a while to rebound last year. Then through the last, I think it was 14 starts of the season. He had a two eight ERA, which is Lance Lynn locking back in. It's kind of, he had a new off speed pitch, a sweeping slider slurve really. It, it took the shape of a slurve and it was really effective. We've seen in the world baseball classic so far, when he was really good, he went five innings, only allowed one earned. Uh, he's starting tonight for Team USA. Do tune into that. No, it's uh, Saturday. It's Saturday when we're recording this. So by the time you hear this on Monday, you will know, or you will hear this on Tuesday. By the time you hear this episode, you will know what happened in that game. Um, but last year, Lance Lynn kind of recovered. He really didn't walk anyone, which was a really good sign for him. Um, and then their third, like big pieces of. There's supposed to be big piece is Lucas Giolito, who was just a huge disappointment last year. Um, and then they've also got Kopech and Clevenger. I've I mean, never really been sold on Giolito. I've never been on the, the train. I feel like, but I mean, there's a lot of upside with Kopech. Uh, Clevenger, is he cleared? He's cleared to. Yeah. All charges cleared. were dropped. So, I mean, this is, um, I mean, Clevenger, even without the charges, is still not that good. Um, last year on the Padres did not pitch that well. Kind of hope to see a rebound from him, but I think this 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 top the, the upside of the rotation is pretty good actually. I think if everything clicks, this is this is not one of the best, but it is a you know middle of the pack rotation that could probably hold down the fort if the offense uh, provides some power. I mean, Giolito's best was his Cy Young candidate, right? Like he was he was up there in what season was it? 2020. 2020. Yeah. So. I mean, at his best, he's he's a Cy Young candidate. Um, I just don't think he's ever going to reach that again. I think he is probably at best now in his career number three. And, I mean, he was a Nats prospect. Uh, he came up, traded him for, I think, Adam Eaton. Uh, and my dad, my dad always has liked him. So, I mean, I, I'm going to root for him, but I just, I don't, I don't see the upside uh, anymore at this point in his career. I think... Maybe he goes somewhere else. Maybe a fresh change of scenery can help him. Um, but this is, I think, this is contract year, right? Yep. So if I think he'll, he'll, no matter what happens, I think he'll end up walking this off season. Yeah, I think it's also you have to take into account this is also a walk year for Lance Lynn. Uh, this is the second year of his two year extension. Uh, Clevenger's also won a one year, so there's three of their five starting pitchers are all on contract year. So there's already a chip on their shoulders. Wow. Shoulder. Uh, Lance Lynn obviously wants to rebound. He's competitive. He'll grab his junk when he strikes you out. G Lito, you know, he's, he's young. He can get a big contract if he's good. And Clevenger is also looking for that contract. This is why he signed the one year to rebuild his stature as a player. Um, G Lito's concerning, but I can see a lot of upside from the starting rotation. It's just, to what degree is it actually going to perform? Because I trust Lance Lynn and I trust Dylan C's, but it's three, four, five that I'm really unsure about. I definitely yeah, agree with that. There's definitely a reason to be worried. I mean, even Dylan C's in his first start in spring training was um, very concerning. I don't know what happened. That was, I don't know you let it get to that point either, but um, what, what was it, like 10 runs in like one inning? It was like seven in point two, but they weren't point two continuous innings. They had to, can't, like, roll over the first inning mm. yeah I, i'm um, not i'm not that worried about a spring training start but i i do trust dylan i i trust lance lynn the most in this dylan cease has had this one breakout year could see regression i don't think we will but 
for a young guy like Dylan Cease, I'm not necessarily entirely sold that he'll be this consistent his whole career. I If we see one more, I think I can consider him more of a reliable guy. That's fair. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Let's get over to their bullpen. They got Kendall Graveman, Aaron Bummer. What a bummer. Uh, Joe Kelly, Ronaldo Lopez, Jake Dykeman, uh, Jose Ruiz, Nick, Nick Avila, uh, and Jimmy Lambert. Uh, they also have Garrett Crochet and Liam Hendrick both injured. Yeah, and that's Uh-oh. a big hit to their bullpen. I mean, those two injured guys are two of the best guys in their bullpen in, in total. I mean, I love Garrett Crochet. He's amazing. I love left-handed flamethrowers. He will not be back until mid-May, most likely. Uh, missed the entire season last year. So, I mean, Tommy John Tommy John does hurt you quite a bit. I'm not sure how the velocity is going to um, change with the injury. Partial UT, UCL tears are pretty bad. Um, but... You know, this isn't this isn't the worst bullpen. It's not the it's it's definitely below like it's not the best. It's 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 very low actually. Remember like, last year when you're like so excited for this bullpen? Yeah. And it just wasn't. How, a lot of a lot of down seasons from everyone. How was Liam like, Hendricks? He was solid. He was he, I think he led he baseball great. in saves. No, not no, last year. I was wondering I was wondering how he was doing uh with oh, his, oh, you mean like cancer. with the surgery? With the, uh, yeah, with the cancer? I'm not sure. I'm assuming he's going to be out for a little while. He's also got to rebuild his strength after that. It, it's a it's an awful fight. Um, Again, yeah. we've emphasized it. We do wish him our best. Like, cancer's no joke. Um, Their bullpen's good. I like Graveman. I like Bummer. I like Kelly. I like Lopez. I like Diekman. I don't really know about Ruiz, Avila, or Lambert, uh, but they... I think Crochet was an early season injury, so he might be back later this year. We don't know the timetable for Hendricks, so that kind of leaves three shaky arms in that bullpen, which could be rotated in and out. Um, It's okay. It's middle-of-the-pack rotation for a middle-of-the-pack team. Yeah, I mean, this is another team that's probably going to, you know, finish 500 again. They love that. They love balance, as all things should be. They love just, you know, being the exact same on both sides, and I think that's Kind of what we're looking at again this season. I mean, it's just a mediocre everything. I'm just not sold. I like that they have uh, a new I'm, manager. I'm not sold on it either. Uh, yeah, that's their best thing that they have. Who is their new manager? Pedro you know? Gafal. Okay. Um. So okay. So let's head over to their lineup. Uh, they got Tim Anderson, Luis Robert Jr., uh, Andrew Benintendi, Eloy Jimenez, Yohan Moncada. Andrew Vaughn, Yasmani Grandal, Oscar Colas, and Elvis Andrus. Off their bench, they got Sebi Zavala, Gavin Sheets, Jake Berger, and Lurie Garcia. It's not a terrible lineup. I don't know. But it's not great. I At some point, Louise Robert has to be good, right? We've only been saying it for nope. four seasons now. He like, actually hasn't been great. He's a, he's a Byron Buxton type of guy. He's a guy that when he's on the field, he's very good. He's never been bad. I mean, he was forced onto the field last year during his wrist injury where he was just swinging and missing and everything on purpose because he was he was pissed at Tony La Russa. So I think this season, obviously, you know, handling injuries better, he will be good on the field. I mean, he's he's got the 162-game average of, like, 30 homers, 30 doubles. It's like, he's got the hit tool, and he's actually very good in the field as well. He's got these tools to be a five-tool guy. It's just the injuries. I I another center fielder with uh, high injury risk. It's like, I'm like a broken record. This happens every time, but... If you get a full season out of him, I don't see why he's not the best player on this team. High injury risk, no walks at all, bad chase. 
Nope. I mean, oh. this is a matter of fact. Um, Tim Anderson's <laughs> pretty solid. Like he's proven that his high average in 2019 wasn't just some fluky season. He's actually like a j- legitimate ball player. Uh, ben Attendee, I think he should be the leadoff hitter in all honesty. Um, again, we talked about him on our Yankees episode a couple episodes ago, but we were basically just saying that like he's a quality at bat. He is 10% above average. He will be consistently solid. He'll play decent defense and he'll be, you know, a good contact bat. He's going to have a professional at bat every single time. Yeah, I mean, what's kind of surprising is I've been going through these batters in this in this spring training, and there's actually a lot of batters that are, you know, kind of actually performing at a high level right now. I'm not sure how it's going to translate, but, I mean, Eloy Jimenez, if he's healthy, is is also another guy. That could, I mean, there's a lot of health issues on this team. I think when healthy, everyone healthy, this is a team that could be, you know, a top 10 offense in baseball. Um, it's just the injuries – and also, Yohan Moncada is a bit of a mystery because we saw some signs of a breakout, and then he, you know, disappeared, and then he broke out again, and then he showed regression again. Mm. I don't know where I stand on him right now. He could be a guy that you know sneakily breaks out, but I don't, I don't know if he's going to do it, um, just because he's been so on and off every year. And another guy I really don't understand is Jasmine Grandal. Like he was so good in 2021, and then he just fell off a freaking cliff, like nosedived off a cliff in 2022. Like, is he bad? Is he good? I don't know. I I genuinely don't. I mean, this is another guy I mean, with an injury, right? Not 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 a full season last year. No, I think it was pretty full season. Like, I think there was one injury, but he played ninety nine games. Yeah, I mean, his hit tool just kind of vanished. I don't know. I mean, he is in his age thirty four season, and for a catcher that's been you know, bring getting pretty consistent time behind the plate. It it does make sense to see some regression at this point in his career. I don't know if it's it's if it's over for him, but it's a three hundred and seventy points of OPS regression. That's, yeah, that's just horrible. Yeah, it's also um, he had an insane on base percentage given his batting average in twenty twenty one. He had a two forty batting average with a four twenty on base percentage. Um, it's just because of an elite walk tool, but like. I don't know about Grandal anymore. I don't know. I don't know about Moncada. Vaughn and Andrews are shaky. Andrews somehow was really good last year on the White Sox. Uh, Oscar Colos is a rookie. Uh, we're gonna talk about him real quick. He's uh, he's had a solid minor league career so far, short, but eight ninety five OPS across three levels. Uh, he's projected to be their opening day left fielder. Strikes out a ton. His power tool is his biggest tool, but the fielding has room left to grow. It's slightly below average at the moment. That just sounds like every other player on this White Sox team. You got a lot of power upside, a lot of strikeouts, and mediocre gloves. That just sounds like a lot of players on this team. Um, I don't know if it just runs consistent throughout the system, but like you make a whole team full of these guys and you get a, a 500 baseball team. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, you gotta, you gotta get some sort of contact guy, and I think that's what they tried to do in Ben Attendee, obviously. But there's so, there's so many, I don't know, there's so many holes in this lineup that need to be filled. I'm just not. I'm not sold. Um, I agree. I think health is really the biggest factor in this lineup, to be honest. I mean, I think this. I mean, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I think this is like a high volatility team. But like, that's not saying a lot because the ceiling's not very high at all. In all honesty, if that makes sense, right? Like the. Hey, uh, listen, we'll, we'll everything goes right. Everything goes right. 
Uh, I don't even know. Yeah. Everything goes right. You got you got three pitchers that are probably you know in that conversation of being like one or two starters. You know, being Gilly, Dolan, and Cease. And the bullpen. I mean, I guess Crochet comes back from Tommy John and is just as effective as he was before, which is highly unlikely unless your name is Justin Verlander. Um, and then you just survive a whole season. And I mean, survive a whole season without Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, mainly those two getting hurt the whole season, which is nearly impossible as well. Fair enough. Um, you guys ready to get into some predictions? Yeah, I'd say that. Let's, let's let Tom kick it off. It's always Tom kick. I'm just kidding. Okay. I kicked it off last time. I got them going 81 and 81. They the same as last year. It I don't I don't think that's a hot take. That's just how they roll. Team MVP, I got Luis Robert. I think this is gonna be his first full season, and I really think that this will be his like true breakout. Cause I mean you can't really have a breakout without you know playing a whole season. So this will be his true breakout. So I have him as my breakout as well. Most important player, this is interesting for me. There's a lot of players you can pick on this team because there's a lot of, you know, players that need to make a difference. But I think Yohan Moncada might not be a bad pick for most important player just because he's been so inconsistent. If we see a good play from him, it would kind of turn this offense around. Uh, as for the Cy Young, I put Dylan Cease. I think he'll not not repeat, but, you know, be just as effective as last season. Fair enough. Um, for the record, I was a whole win higher than Tom. I have them at 82 and 80. Um it it's just flip of the coin in one random game. Are they better or worse than the team from last year? Um, and I have their MVP as Tim Anderson. I think he does try and energize this team, but ultimately I just think there's too many things that can go wrong where something's going to go wrong. Something will go wrong. And even no matter how much he try and energize them, tries to pump blood into their veins, it's just not enough. And with that said though, the correct answer for their Cy Young is Dylan Cease because he is their best pitcher. He's a top 10 pitcher in baseball, maybe just outside of that. Um, and for their breakout, I put Ostracolos because you know what? A young rookie with maybe an opportunity to get consistent playing time, opportunity to grow in Major League Baseball. Um, and I'm going to do a swear here. Uh, their most important player is giving a shit because it's just everyone giving a shit. Because last year, it really didn't look like anyone cared. It really did not look like there was no passion. There was no enthusiasm. There's no wanting to win. In order for this team to do that, they have to want to win baseball games every single day. It's just like they didn't have that last year. And if they have it this year, then maybe there's a chance they amount to something. But I don't know how likely that is. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that take. I mean, I looked at some of these guys at bats and they look like they were just like swinging a pool noodle. I'm not even saying like that because they were, they were swinging bad. They were just swinging with no effort. They're, they're, they're a low effort team. And they, I feel like they're getting what they put in. And that is 500 ball. Um, I don't know. Steph? So for me, I flipped Brad's record as I'm going 80 and 82. Uh, MVP. I was right there with Brad. It's Tim Anderson and Cy Young also right there with Dylan Cease. Um, most important. I also have as Tim Anderson because, like I said earlier, he needs, and like Brad mentioned and touched on, he needs to energize his club. He is the leader now. Jose Abreu is gone. He is the head honcho in, in that clubhouse. And he needs to show it. He needs to pump everything he has in the Chicago White Sox this year. Um, and he needs to show out because it is a contract year for him. And I think he, he will show out. Uh, breakout, I have Gavin Sheets. Um, I think... One of Eloy or uh, 
uh, Robert or is going to go down with an injury. And I think he's going to get his opportunity to play every day and he's going to show out with it. I think with Eloy Jimenez, all of his injuries have just been him sucking in left field. And now that he'll have the opportunity to play DH every day, it might actually prevent an injury or two. Um, but the ceiling of this team, I think we talked about it that any team, any of the top three teams in the central could win. I think the, this team is, I have them a win, a whole win better than the twins. Right. But I think they're less likely than the twins to win the division. Yeah. Because it's less likely to, to go right. Because there's a lot of things that have to go correct. You know, a lot more things have to click in this lineup for it to go right. But I think they're right about like what, 89. What did we put the, what was their 2021 record? That's a good question. Stevs, I'm just kidding. I got you guys. 93 and 69. Oh, you guys are quick. I okay. got us, guys. Um, Like, is it that? I don't think they're – no. I mean, that – I don't that think was... they're – they had Jose Abreu. They did. But they didn't have Dylan Cease. The 2021. But they had – Giolito played pretty well. They had – You need players to step up, and that, that's how it was then, and it's going to be the same now. I, so I would say 88. I would say 90. They had Rodon. Yep. Yeah, that was the difference. I forgot. They had Carlos Rodon, who was fantastic. Um, their bullpen was pretty solid. Yeah, I think this team is not as good ceiling-wise as that team. So I'm going to go 88 to 90 wins. Say, yeah, around there. And their floor, if everything goes downhill, is like a... I would say, I would say about like 79 or 80. Because... I... Everything last year went wrong. No. A lot with a lot of things went wrong last year and they still finished five hundred. I don't know. I was gonna say like seventy two and ninety. That's no incorrect. Okay. Like seventy five is like the highest floor I can give them. All right. Luis Robert gets hurt again. Andrew Benatendi plays how he did on the Yankees. Eloy Jimenez gets hurt again. Elvis Andrews is Elvis Andrews. Oscar Colos isn't ready. Grandal repeats his twenty two. Cease is Cease can go win the Cy Young Award. They can still suck. Mike Trout wins MVP awards on the Angels. Um, yeah. Lance Lynn isn't the same. Giolito is last year. Kopech gets injured. Clevenger's what he did last year. That's not that's a 72 win team. And that's saying that like the Royals or someone is a little bit better. Because remember, the White Sox have to play every other team in baseball. They have to play the East, they have to play the West, they gotta play the other East and the other West. There's a there's a recipe for them to go seventy two and ninety. You sound like Joey Votto, man, with your with your hypothetical situation, man. No. I mean, but it's not. But, that, but that's, there's no that's aliens what a floor involved. is. That's what a floor is. Is everything goes down bad. That's what a floor is. And what if Louis Brad's Robert right? Like, this team is not fall off good. Swing or something that would be really bad. That's like the floor. But that could happen, but it's not going to. But here's the thing: we're yeah, not but, treating Tom, the floor as the twenty fifth percentile. We're talking about a floor. What is what is the the absolute worst this team can perform? 77. 77 is a floor for me. What do you guys think? So I'm you think that me. the floor for this team is higher than the floor for the Baltimore Orioles? After seeing after <laughs> a don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that. After seeing such a bad season from the White Sox last year without Louis, without uh, Rodon and without all the big pieces that they needed. They still went 81 and 81. So, they had Jose Abreu. I know, and that's attracts a couple wins, which puts them at 77. But last year wasn't everything going wrong. A lot went wrong. I mean, you didn't Tim get Tim Anderson a lot was still went, solid. It was just Tim, Tim Anderson and Dylan. Was solid. 
him Dylan. Yes, Dylan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> first name basis. But yeah, like, yeah. Well, let me pull up the 2022 Chicago White Sox. And I'll see if your you're argument is valid or you're just talking out of your bum. Um, talking out of my bum. Don't even worry about it. Abreu was their best offensive piece. Eloy Jimenez yeah. was pretty solid. Luis Robert was mid. Tim Anderson was okay, but there was no real slugging there. Then let's look at their – Elvis Andrews was fantastic somehow. Um, remember when they had D- Dallas Keuchel to start the season? Um, yeah. Johnny Cueto, they had him. Michael Kopech was serviceable but not good. Lance Lynn was serviceable but not good. They had Liam Hendricks. Like, their bullpen was decent. Giolito was atrocious. Yes, that is true. Um, like, this isn't – last season wasn't the absolute floor. Yeah, um, that's fine. Okay, I accept. What what do, we, what do you guys say? Like thirty five, seventy two, and ninety. God, I don't want to do that. I would that's say fine. I give them give. I would I'd say try and meet in the middle. Seventy three and eighty nine. I accept. All that's right, <laughs> that'll do it for this episode of the Florida Baseball Podcast. Everything up through these two teams, the entire National League, the AL East, the Royals, and the Tigers are all out now. If you want to go listen to those, go check them out. We got three more episodes left after this. We'll see you all next time on the 4A Baseball Podcast. Peace. Steve!